friends. You've now entered the Man Cave Podcast. Unplugged and unfiltered. This is a podcast where the topics are mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other items. Like, is Bigfoot real? Who is the best Batman? You're guided through each episode by a man who's the man for his time and place, Dan Casper. So welcome to the Man Cave and stick around for a while. You're going to like it here. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Podcast, brought to you by our good friends from Hy-Vee and Toys and Ford. Dan Casper here, as always, for every episode of the Man Cave Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk a little Brewers Spring Training. We're going to talk a little bit about the NFL. Are they going to be going to be doing some rule changes? Are they actually going to try to get rid of the punt for crying out loud? I mean, what the heck is going on? Plus, obviously, some college hoops. As we know, the final four for the men's team, uh, and then we got halfway there for the for the women's uh, final four. But let's lead things off talking a little college basketball. If we know the final four. We got FAU coming through Florida Atlantic, San Diego State coming through, UConn coming through, and the U, the University of Miami, the final four that everybody. Everybody predicted to happen. Uh, I was doing a quick, quick gander through the uh, through the bracket challenge, and if if you got if you are in our bracket challenge and you have a you know either UConn winning this or or any of these Final Four teams winning this, let me know. But just kind of looking through the the top ten there, not the case. We do have a. Well, I'll just admit it. my guys, my little guys got UConn going in the finals. Uh, I know there's somebody who had San Diego State in the in the final four when I was kind of perusing the uh, the top ten there. But yeah, this is this is one of the brackets first time I think that I can remember since doing brackets, you know, in middle school and such that I uh, I can't remember not too many people not having any national championship contenders. Or uh, national championship still alive? Like I was looking through the top ten, and unless I missed it, which is absolutely possible, with our top ten people in our bracket challenge, nobody has their champion alive. Nobody has their champion alive. It's been that crazy of a March Madness tournament. No one, two, or three seed for the first time in NCAA men's basketball history. Couple people do have UConn go in the finals, but in terms of winning it, not anybody in the, at least the top ten or bracket. That way, I, that's why I'm asking if there is anybody who is in our bracket challenge that has one of these teams winning it all. You know, you let me know here, or there. But uh, it's been crazy, and and the thing is, this is the perfect year for this to happen, isn't it? This is the perfect year, the perfect tournament for it to have. You know. No one or two or three seed advance to the Final Four. All season long, we have been talking about how, man, this is just kind of a year where there's some parity, there's some new teams involved in this thing. Not your traditional Blue Bloods, although Kansas, you know, obviously got a one seed. Moving up there, Duke was hot heading into the tournament. But for the most part, it was your your non-traditional year, if that's the best way to kind of describe it. And to have these four teams in it, and I feel like, you know, 
that we're, we're kind of putting UConn in a territory like, oh, they've never been there before, and obviously they've got the history and they got the pedigree. So, but for the most part, three of these four teams they haven't been there. This is the perfect year, I think, to to kind of have this, you know, put these teams in a hat sort of thing and throw them up in the air and and see what we got. I I enjoyed it. I I, I think this is fun. Why not? Shake it up once in a while. I know there's some people, and there's nothing wrong with it, but I know there's some fans out there, some college hoops fans or some sports fans out there that would just like the, all right, yeah, upsets are are fun once in a while, but once it gets down to the nitty-gritty, when it gets down to the Final Four or the championship, you know, they may want to see who, you know, the, the best teams that were, you know, the best throughout the, the majority part of the season, they'd like to see them in the championship, the best teams competing for the ultimate championship. And I understand that narrative, and I get it, you know, what, what the the mindset. But I'm good with sometimes, you know what, let's shake it up a bit and let's have a little bit of madness in it. And let's have a little bit of, have a little fun with this thing. Let's see some teams that normally probably don't get there. Let's, let's, let's see something different. And we definitely have that with this Final Four. I mean, we got some history and we got some pedigree when you, when you take out UConn. It's taking out UConn here for a second. Miami, Larinaga. I've been a fan of his since the George Mason days. And it was it 17 years ago? Yesterday is when he led George Mason to the to the final four. So I mean he's been there. He he's been there before. And he potentially could be the Oldest winning head coach. If they, if Miami can get that, uh, can get that national championship. San Diego State, a little, you know, not, not so much. So their head coach Brian Dutcher, he was an assistant under Steve Fisher. He's been a long time assistant under Steve Fisher. Steve Fisher was with Michigan, you know, back in the eighties, uh, nineties, the Weber teams, Juwan Howard and such. And then obviously followed Steve Fisher over to to San Diego State. Associate head coach for, for the longest time. And then now became the, the head coach starting in 2017. So uh he's got some background there, mostly as as an assistant under under Steve Fisher. So he's got that a little bit. And he was—I was kind of reading a little bit about him last night, kind of going through some stuff, and and he's credited with having a, a big role in recruiting the Fab Five to Michigan, bringing Kawhi Leonard to San Diego State. I mean, he was named San Diego State's head coach in waiting all the way back in 2011, and then Steve Fisher decided to retire back in 2017. So a little bit of uh, you know experience with the Final Four back as Michigan days as a as an assistant. Hurley, UConn. I mean UConn, right? We talked about Jim Calhoun, Kevin Ollie. They all won you know, national championships. Then you got FAU, Florida Atlantic. Dusty May, their their head coach, just forty six years old. But he's had some he's had some darn success. He's been, you know, Florida's assistant, Louisiana Tech for a few years, but 
his alma mater is Indiana. But obviously, you know, FAU's probably, I would say, the biggest surprise in the Final Four, a nine seed coming in here, the Owls of, of Florida Atlantic. So we got some we got some fresh blood in this thing. For the most part. And I'm good with it. I enjoyed I've loved this Final Four or this this March Madness so far. You haven't had too many like big time buzzer beaters. Obviously you had the was it uh, Furman Virginia? We've had obviously a lot of upsets here. Close-ish games at, at certain points. But overall, this has been a fun tournament in my opinion. And I love the fact that we've got some new teams in here changing it up a bit. I mean, it's perfect. Last year, straight up traditional powerhouses. We got some new ones in here, plus UConn. And right now, I guess if I had to pick... I'll tell you, I'm rooting for Miami. I, I, I'm rooting for Miami strictly just because of Laranaga. I, I, what he did with George Mason, and then coming into to Miami and such. I've always, I've been a fan of his since those days. So I'm not going to say I've always been a Jim Laranaga fan. I didn't know who the guy was until George Mason. Just like probably a lot of people didn't know about George Mason basketball until 17 years ago. But I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for Miami because of that. I would love like a Miami San Diego State. NCAA championship, but ultimately I think it's going to be I think it's going to be UConn versus San Diego State, my prediction and and UConn is just playing so freaking good right now they have just been dominating in this tournament so it's hard not to pick them it really is, it's, it's really hard not to pick them with the way that they're playing the confidence that they've got right now. It sure looks like UConn's going to win a, another championship with their third head coach. I'm rooting for Miami, but they've got a they've got a really tough draw. So I'm going to go UConn, San Diego State, UConn winning it all. How about the rest of you? Let me know. Hit me up on uh, the socials or... Or a quick text if you want. Women's side of things, Caitlin Clark. I mean, what else can we say about Caitlin Clark from Iowa? Just keeps putting her name in the record books. Iowa's going to to the Final Four here. But another triple-double for Caitlin Clark yesterday as they beat fifth-seeded Louisville. She finished with 41 points, 12 assists, and 10 rebounds, scoring or assisting on 70 of Iowa's 97 points. Her her sixth triple-double of the season, this season, 11th of her career, contained the second-most points of any triple-double in Division I history. And this was a 40-point triple-double against Louisville to go to the Final Four. She just keeps continuing to etch her name in college basketball. Lord, college basketball history. She's fantastic. And we're going to get another year of this? And she's a junior? 
I mean, and she's shooting it from the logo. I mean, there's just like the the confidence from her, from her game. It's spectacular. It's a lot of fun to watch. If you haven't watched Caitlin Clark from, from Iowa play basketball, dedicate some minutes in this Final Four when we get the times and such out to watch her game. It's pretty darn impressive. LSU's going to the Final Four. We'll decide or we'll find out tonight on the women's side the final two teams that will make out the Final Four. We got South Carolina powerhouse there going up against Maryland. That game's at 6 p.m. tonight. And then we've got uh, Virginia Tech versus Ohio State at 8 p.m. I mean, we might have some Big Ten representation in this thing. Maryland, Ohio State, Iowa's already in it. And you got LSU. Might have might have some representation there. Miami, women's Miami. Uh, they were on a nice run here, too. They fell to LSU in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. So, I mean, we're that close to having Miami have both the men's and women's teams in the, uh, in the Final Four. But a lot of good basketball being played. All right, let's take a let's take a quick break, and then I want to talk a little baseball here with opening day coming up right around the corner here on Thursday. Brewers having they've got some interesting roster decisions here, and they've made some interesting roster decisions. We'll take a look at uh, what's the what's the latest. We know Keston Hira, he ain't going to be on the big league club. Is is Luke Voigt going to be on the big league club? Don't know. But that deadline passed, and uh, the uh, the outdate came with no final resolution. So what the heck is going on here with the, with this Brewers team? Family-owned and operated, Toys and Ford is proud to serve the drivers of the Chippewa Valley with some of the most popular vehicles around Wisconsin and the country. They're committed to giving drivers from across the area the best in customer service with a top-notch selection of brand-new vehicles to choose from, as well as an extensive inventory of pre-owned crossover SUV and trucks. Plus, with their expert finance, service, and parts centers in-house, they strive to be your one-stop dealership for all of your automotive needs. Visit them today at 1000 Chippewa Crossing Boulevard in Chippewa falls all right let's uh let's talk some baseball here as opening day popping up here in a few days what thursday a couple days here so uh let's uh take a look at some of the decisions that the brewers have to make keston here he won't be making the ball club uh we kind of i mean he didn't have a great spring i think the brewers were really 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 hoping that he would and then they could, uh, you know, keep him on that opening day roster. If you kind of listen to, to Craig Council and such, you know, it's obviously a little disappointed. But uh, Craig not necessarily shutting the door on on a Keston return. He said it's not necessarily the end, but it certainly could be. Keston has been a good player. He handled himself like you'd want every Milwaukee Brewer to handle himself. It's tough news. You have to deliver, and we'll just see. We'll just see what happens. Tyler Naquin was also. I'm told that he will not make the opening day roster. He has the right to opt out of his deal. But uh, as of Friday, he remained in camp and started the Brewers' other split squad games. So maybe possibly starting off in the, in the minor league system. But a reason for that, too, could be the... I don't want to say too much of a surprise because we all put a lot of stock in these youngsters, but Joey Weimer, the younger outfielder out there. We knew Garrett Mitchell... We saw him a little bit at the end of last year. The first of these, this young outfielder group that we have a lot of excitement about. 
he obviously had a good spring too. Every day starting uh, center fielder, it sure looks like. But Joey Weimers had a fantastic spring training and kind of really put himself in this position to be the opening day starting right fielder right now. And and Weimer is primarily, you know, I don't want to downplay it, but between him and Sal Freelick, Weimer's got the, the right-handed bat. And when you factor in that Yelich and, and Mitchell and Jesse Winker all hit left-handed, that probably helped open the door a little bit more for, for Joey Weimer. And then you got uh, Wisconsin native, McQuan native, Owen Miller, who kind of opened up some eyes this year, especially showing his ability to to play a little bit of center field. Defensive versatility for Owen Miller. If you look at Adam McCalvey's Brewers.com, Adam McCalvey's beat writer, latest projection on the Brewers opening day roster, I mean, there's quite a bit of changes here with some of the moves that the Brewers have made. Contreras, Victor Caratini, no big surprise, and no change there at catcher. First base, Rowdy Telez, but then you got Luke Voigt. Now, his update was out on Friday. Brewers have been kind of really hush-hush about this thing. But it sounds like Maybe he's just kind of exploring what's what's out there. But there's still a, a, a very good possibility that he could come back to the Brewers. Even though he did opt out officially, there's still a good possibility that he could come back. We'll see if that actually happens or not. Does he maybe, you know, the Phillies obviously are going to be looking for a first baseman, looking at other, at other opportunities out there, maybe looking for a little bit more playing time, maybe looking for an opportunity to be an everyday starting first baseman out there. But just kind of exploring it out there, it seems like. Which, I mean, come on, you kind of have to do that, right? You'd, we'd all probably do that, uh, that, uh, that same thing there. But if he doesn't, then that maybe opens up the door for somebody else or you know you got Owen Miller that that could play over there you put uh you know Brasso over there a little bit too but looking at the the rest of this projection Luis Urias second base Billy Adamas short no big surprise Brian Anderson third base outfielders we already mentioned them Yelich Garrett Mitchell Joey Weimer Jesse Winker Owen and Mike Really going defense there, according to, to Adam McCalvey. And it makes sense. And in his projection, he said if you're keeping Voight, uh, you're putting, uh, you put defense at a premium for, for the bench spots. And I think Owen Miller, you know, a guy that, you know, we haven't talked a ton about in the offseason. Wisconsin native coming back to his home team. Remember when he was first signed, signed up by the Brewers? It's like, all right, coming back home. He, he was excited to play for his home state team. And then he didn't really hear a whole lot about him. But he has made himself a nice spring trainer, had himself a nice spring training. And I think it's kind of like, all right, Purse, you got to hold on to this guy. Hit 385 in spring training. You know, career wise, he's a 231 hitter. Last year, he hit 243. With just six home runs, he was uh, a former draft pick of the San Diego Padres in 2018, round three overall. Two uh, was it? Uh, excuse me, 84. 
spent some time with with Cleveland the past couple of years. But a guy that really showcased his versatility on the defensive end or defensive side. Because he's mostly been, when you look at his career with Cleveland, first base, played a little bit of second base, had a had a quick date with shortstop and third base. Spent some time as DH. But the fact that he's actually been playing some decent center field. That's the thing, too. Center field. Not just outfield. He's been getting some reps in at center field. And doing a pretty darn good job out there. I think kind of like Brewers are like, all right, we've maybe got some other options we didn't think about. Or we didn't think that we potentially had at that point. So kudos to Owen Miller for, for doing that. You know, a guy that's kind of on that roster bubble. Right on that line. You gotta do anything that you can possibly can to make that ball club. And you know, pitching wise, again, it's starters does. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, by the way, it is official in case anybody was wondering why it was official on Friday. Corbin Burns will be starting opening day. Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Wade Miley. Obviously, Adrian Hauser. Now he's a little bit banged up there with, with the groin injury. Aaron Ashby, we knew, was out. Still up in the air a little bit with uh, with the bullpen. Wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Brewers kind of look at, you know, who gets released, waiver wires, that sort of thing. Don't be surprised if they add some players off that, make some moves off of that. But I think we've got the core. We, we pretty much know what this opening day roster is going to look like, but I will say that there was a couple of obviously late second, last minute changes here, specifically right field, Joy Weaver. I think a lot of us just expected those youngsters outside of Garrett Mitchell to start the year off in AAA by their time, and eventually we would probably see them up at, uh, at the major league level at some point this year. But the way that everything's kind of been going down in, in training, or uh, excuse me, uh, spring training, I see uh, another youngster right away, Joey Weimer. I think at least and that's exciting. Get these. I just want the best team out there. I get in baseball, you got to play the whole, you know, control game, years of control, service time, that sort of thing. I get it. I understand it. But at the same time. With this current Brewers team, with what they've got at starting pitching, I just want the best team out there and still try to go out there and compete and get in the postseason, get in the postseason and see what the heck can happen. I just want the best team out there. I get it, it's a business too. I get it, it's they, they've got to factor those decisions in. But straight up, purely as a fan... I just want the dang best team out there. That's all I want. Who doesn't love cooking up a good burger on the grill? Having a good burger is one of the most satisfying moments in your life. And now we have the perfect burger to put on the grill and create more satisfying moments in your life. It's the Dan Good Burger available only at Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. This burger has bacon, cheese, and ranch seasoning all inside the patty to give you that perfect balance of taste and awesomeness in each bite. So head on over to Hy-Vee in Eau Claire and grab yourself a few Dan Good Burgers and fire up that grill. So we got the owners' meetings going on in in Phoenix. I was reading, again, mentioned uh, Peter's column, where it sure seems like the NFL, or maybe more so Roger Goodell, 
wants to flex Thursday games. Um, I don't know how the heck that thing can work justice. How in the world would you be able to flex Thursday games without, I mean, coaches got to be upset about this, you know, players or coaches. I'm thinking of it in terms of a fan's perspective, like, you know, I know not everybody's this way, but some when it when it comes to a football game justice, a lot of it is like a vacation or a pre-planned trip, right? You know, you're thinking about it, you're pre-planning it, and then all of a sudden you find out Monday morning, hey, that game on Sunday that you were flying into town for, maybe on a Friday or Saturday. Now it's a Thursday game. Now, like, how do you logistically? How can you do that? I don't understand how they can do that. It's I I don't either. I mean, because it's a domino effect when you play a game on Thursday. For that next, I like. Do you figure it out where the team has to have a bye the next week? Yeah, I, or because that's I, I. I don't know. I just don't understand how you're going to do this. It would have to be flexed, but I. I mean, maybe if you did it in like little pods of you know, you give a month advance heads up that you're going to flex this game, right? But that's just I don't. I don't see how it's going to happen. I, I, I can't see it, but then there's part of me. It's like, but it's the NFL, and they can do whatever they want to do. It seems like that's true. I mean, they can. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's how it looks. But it, yeah, I just it seems like it would just be such a tough thing to do, and and because you can't just flex it on a week, mm-hmm. it has to be in advance. So I guess if you do it in like little four week, you know, you look at it four weeks, go, you get to that end of the four weeks, and you have a chance to do it a month in advance then you at least give people a chance to change their plans mm-hmm. a little bit so that would be to me that would be the only way to do it because you, you just can't do it every you know like on a two-week or a one-week flex yeah. it's gonna have to bar in advance so yeah if you you know you look forward and you see okay we have i don't know throw it so the texans playing the jaguars <laughs> <laughs> pick on both of those teams not that jacksonville has been horrible but let's just say that's what you got and you see a different matchup a month from now, and both those teams are like one and four. Mm-hmm. Then I say, okay, well then, fine, find a way to flex it, but at least give not just the players, but the team or the fans a chance to advance, or at, at least in advance to make some changes. Yeah, and I think the the other part in this too is like, and you know, they can say how much they 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 care about the fans, but money talks. And I think yeah. the the whole thing here is that you know they want to make sure that they're they're. Uh, Thursday night broadcaster Amazon still forks enough money over so they're going to give them some good games or try to get them some good games because that's where the money's coming from. They want all that money coming from Amazon. So they'll try to, in my opinion, pacify that a little bit more than the fan trying to figure out their travel obligations or trying to travel to the game. Oh, exactly. And I'm sure Amazon is in this, mm-hmm. in their ear, saying, hey, okay, we're paying a billion dollars, or not billion dollars a game, but some insane amount. Yep a game to have this deal we want to know that we're going to have good games because it's not just like over the air where people can just flip over to you know nbc abc cbs to or fox to watch the game right they want people making that concerted effort to get on to prime to watch their game so if you have uh you know if you, you don't have a good matchup you're not going to get those subscriber numbers and that's what they're looking for so yeah, I can see what they're they're in the ear, mm-hmm. and it's not like Amazon doesn't have money. We know oh, yeah. Amazon has plenty. So yeah, the NFL is definitely going to listen if they're whispering. Oh yeah, uh, and then the other thing that kind of like uh, I was like, what are they really going to do this? Is punting? I don't know if you saw Troy Vincent's comments the other day 
the number one penalized play in, in football and the one play, or I don't know if you can call it a play, but you know the, the one that's the, the most injured is punting, punts. And there's some talk about how could they adjust punting. And one of them was maybe, hey, is it be like the kickoff, punts in the end zone, touchbacks instead of the 20. Is a 25 to try to promote teams who maybe were at the, the midfield to go for it on fourth down. Uh, there was another one that was kind of like the XFL kickoffs, but in a punt situation, coverage teams can't go down there until you know it's kicked at, at that point, which to me is like, how do you, you know, everything's like behind you at that point with a punt, and so you, would the official like signal when you can go or something like that? I don't know. Are they yeah, it'd be like illegal, you know, an offensive lineman going downfield, right? Illegally. Yeah, I mean, you know, oh boy, that seems like you're asking for. A lot of trouble. Are they doing? Are they trying to do too much? I mean, at what point? And and I'm I'm all about safety and all that. But at at the same point, we do recognize that football is not a safe game all the time, right? It's a dangerous game. It's you know, it's it, they're gonna have penalties, you know, that sort of thing. I mean, is there a point where just too much adjustment it becomes too much adjustment, and especially when it's the punting game at this point? I mean, I'm not totally against the 25 yard line mm-hmm. thing. Because that, I mean, that that's really not taken away from a lot of. Make it the same as the kickoff, so it would be less confusing for at least right. in my opinion. So, so I'd be, yeah, I'd be fine if you do that. I mean, we've seen teams, I mean, drastically go for it a lot more now mm-hmm. on fourth down than we. I think last season it really felt like if you were had a fourth down situation near midfield. I don't know what the stats are on it, but you got to say at least twenty five percent of the time they were going for it, if not more than that. If that's what it just felt like to me watching it this year compared to to years before, so I feel like teams are going for it more. But if you put that twenty five yard line in there, that's definitely going to make them say, "Okay, well, twenty five yards of difference of field. If I'm at the fifty, mm-hmm. I'm probably going for it." So that's fine. Yeah, when you start, you know, throwing out like, "Yeah, they can't leave until the ball the pu- ball's punted." Like you, then you don't have you're not going to have gunners, right? Which, so that I mean, they're going to have to just sit and watch until the ball leaves. Which I mean, you can do. It just seems like you're at yeah, you're adding just a little too many um, you know, gears to the machine that's going on during a punt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I just I was surprised to hear that one. So it's like wow, okay. First of all, I didn't know that was the most injured play in in football. I mean, flagged, I could see it with the blocking in the back or holding or, you know, the guy that's out of bounds that doesn't come back in bounds or anything like that. So, but, you know, then obviously they're talking about that, that uh, hip uh, drop tackle, which I don't know if the, how you can pass, you know, pass that one or change. You're asking guys to completely change how they've, you know, are tackling again. So, yeah. I, I don't know. But it's going to be weird. It's I don't think, you know, the, the whole rugby thing. With the with what the Eagles did with the quarterback sneak, that sounds like it's gonna you know their teams are gonna be able to still do that. So people are freaking out, Justice, that football is gonna turn into rugby. I don't know if I'm getting to that point at this you know, but you know, hey, the Eagles did it. Yeah, was to say it was it's not the 1920s, right? Yeah, which football basically was rugby for Where your a quarterback long time. was a running back, really. So yeah, <laughs> but, passing is not leaving no. the game. Let me guarantee that. Right. Yep. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Again, brought to you by our good friends from High V and Toys and Ford. Quick reminder, as always, if you are not following or subscribing to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms, that's like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, you name it. 
were there. Go ahead and do me a favor, personal favor, follow and subscribe to that for free. But while you are there, give us a a positive review and a five-star rating so others can find the Man Cave Podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper, and we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast.